everyone. Welcome to another edition of our member podcast. We're calling Finding Our Way. Uh, Jeff Logier back here with you again this week with uh, another special guest, one of our longtime uh, location pastors from the metropolis of Vineland, Ontario, uh, what we call Tricky Ricky's Weirs. Rick, thanks for being here. Oh, it's great. Uh, this is your first time in a podcast experience, I understand. It is. Yeah, it you're going to yeah. rock this out. Oh, I certainly will. And uh, no, we're excited to, again, uh, involve all of you as uh, members and, and part of the body of Christ around here at Southridge into kind of the campfire conversation that I get to have with guys like Rick all the time. He's been amazing to work with in the past decade or so, and uh, you're just going to love to hear his heart today. Uh, Rick, before we get into kind of the meat and potatoes uh, type of stuff, just give us a little bit of background of, of where you came from, kind of what your deal is with your family, how you landed uh, here in our church, just a bit of background for people who might otherwise not know you. Yeah, I mean, uh, probably for me, a, a big part of my story is that I came out of an educational setting and spent... Um, pretty much 24 years in an elementary school panel as teacher and principal. And uh, it's during that, those years, too, that uh, Carol and I uh, raised a family of three girls. And uh, uniquely, we're now in this season we call grandparenting. Uh, we now have six grandchildren uh, in the last five years. And so we find ourselves in a new season of life. But it's... Uh, it's really exciting to see how uh, God has been a big part of that journey. And so, uh, yeah, really excited to be a part of the, the Southridge story. How long uh, have you guys been around the church? We'll talk about the staff in a second, but the, the church, first of all. Well, our coming to Southridge is kind of unique in the sense that it's really our teenage girls that brought us here. Uh, they were the ones who kind of exposed us first off to Fairview Louth, uh, and then uh, over a, a couple of years, uh, really solidified our, our desire to participate in the things that were Southridge. And so that's, we, we really got on board just when we made the move actually to this location. Yeah, in, into, in, into in the St. Catharines. Yeah. 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 And uh, it wasn't long after that then that you were. Tapped kind on the of, shoulder. Kind of reflecting on, a, reflecting on a career change. Talk about that journey from uh, uh, an elementary school principal to showing up here. Because you, you weren't uh, a location pastor at the very beginning, right? We weren't multi-site. So no. you came for a different job. Yeah, like it, it really was the tap on the shoulder by yourself that uh, became the the motivating factor to consider what it would look like to take my elementary school experience and bring it into a church setting and take on the role of, at that time, was really children's ministry. Um, that's really the, the first initiation of Southridge that I had, where I was running all things nursery, preschool, MNS, and then, of course, going into multi-site and trying to duplicate that in three locations. So, uh, yeah, that was a big part of my first seven, eight years here in, in this in this church. Yeah, I don't know how many of us would remember back to Pastor Rick and his red guitar back in the, in the wonderful days of uh, kids' ministry. Do you want to talk about your job interview story? No, <laughs> not really. That really has no place here. <laughs> Just to bring everyone into this, we have, uh, uh, I would say, a fairly casual office culture. 
particularly around dress, especially in the summer, shorts, T-shirt, flip-flops, or whatever. And I remember the day that we were formalizing your your interview, I tell this uh, embarrassingly to Rick. Uh, uh, many times. I, I, had, I had come in, I, brought, I don't know if I was on the boat or in a swimming pool or something, but I'd come in in a bathing suit, a ball cap, with a couple elders to have this final interview with Rick. And in comes this elementary school principal in a suit and I thought, oh, wow. I thought, what sudden, have I just signed up for? All of a sudden, I thought, I'm in trouble because I feel like I'm in the principal's office. So that was, uh, that was a good time. Um, since we went multi-site then, um, and especially when we launched into our Vineland location, you actually initiated then with me, hey, if you're, if you're wondering about options for that location, Pastor, I'd be interested in that role. Can you talk about what was going on in your heart then and, and your heart for your role today? Yeah, I, I think uh, living in Vineland was a big play in that and really just being wired relationally and wanting to leverage that, what I feel like is one of the, the gifts that God gives me. I, I felt like this was an opportunity to make a shift out of the, the kids' world and in, into more of an adult world uh, in the Vineland location. And I was uh, super excited about the opportunity because I felt like... Um, it would be a way in the next chapter of my journey here at Southridge to leverage my own giftings and also to take a community like Vineland and kind of morph it with um, our Southridge culture. So it was really, really, I don't know, just kind of wonderful how that all sort of came together. And it certainly was something that even my wife, Carol, would have said, hey, like, why not throw your hat in the ring and be a player in this? I think this would be a really fun opportunity. Yeah, and you've really never looked back from then. And it's it's actually hard to, to remember the kids pastor version because of how much you've thrived in this location pastor role. Now working on this team with uh, Chris and Mike and, and our other location pastors just having a ball together. It's cool yeah. to see. It's hard to believe that it's already six and a half years that, that Vineland has been in action, you know? Yeah as a location. So it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, Rick, you are the first location pastor that we've had conversation with in this podcast format. So for all of us uh, across our membership, across all of our locations, can you give us a bit of an understanding of what a location pastor does? What are some of the features of the job description uh, unique to a location pastor? Yeah, it's, it's a unique role because I, I do feel like in some ways you wear a lot of different hats. Um, but, uh, I, you know, in, in many ways, um, you are kind of the relational glue or the face of the place as a location pastor. And in, in my role in Vineland, uh, I, I, I play the, the role of actually coaching life groups. I'm, I'm a location leader, and so I'm driving the ministry team that's available to us in that location. And I play a pretty significant pastoral presence in the lives of people that that uh, intersect the location. And so uh, that, that, that also is a really significant part of the equation. Um, definitely uh, what... what what makes the location role um, unique is you are kind of on the front lines of ministry with the families that we serve in the location. That's basically, at the end of the day, the role that you're playing. You, you play also a really significant role in just assimilating new people into what it means to be part of this beautiful community. So, yeah, it's a lot of different things, but... Uh, 
I, I feel like it's a really unique role in the way that we're structured uh, in terms of our ministry model. Yeah, because so much of our, our organizational structure is around the driving of our three primary programs in our family ministry. And so in the fostering of this lifestyle of full devotion, in inspiration, in connection, and in action, and then in age-appropriate ways in, in family ministry, most of our departmental activity is supporting centrally, meaning in one location or in one entity, you know, all of that activity and all that programming across all of our locations. So, you know, the location pastor is really the one decentralized role that provides more of the personal touch on the ground to to people and to facilitate the the connection and care and assimilation and things you've talked about. So it's a it's a very very important role to to actually give our ministry some personality instead of just being this kind of backroom machinery that cranks out all the the programs that that we generally deliver. Uh, along that line, uh, I want to talk first of all, Rick, about your heart for community. Uh, a huge part of your role as a location pastor is to help people experience community and help foster community. T- talk about why that's so important for you. Why is that such a high value for you? I think what's really critical is for people to uh, appreciate that at the end of the day, we're always going to be uh, better together. You know, there there is so much to be gained in doing life together. And community really uh, at its core is something that everybody craves and longs for. And it's, it's this wanting uh, to be known. It's this wanting to feel like uh, there's a place for me. Um, and cultivating that value is really... Uh, a big part of what it is I get to do. Um, I, I want to create a culture of inclusivity where, yeah, it's it's a place for everybody. Um, and so that matters. Uh, community kind of drives uh, much of what we do in our Department of Connection. It, it really is something that we value greatly, and it's something that we are constantly having conversations about. Yeah, it feels like in hearing your heart, you know, the, 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 I think the two kind of biblical anchors that we typically root this conversation in, one would be uh, in the Genesis narrative, when God creates people and creates Adam or an individual and then says, you know, as, as sinless and perfect as the world was still at that point in the narrative, God says, it's not good for this individual person to be alone. I'll make a helpmate. And many people will refer to that as the original invention of marriage, which it at some level is, but at a broader or at a deeper theological level, it's actually the creation of human community. That simply indi- simply intimacy with God individually wasn't God's full intent for people that, as you said, we're better together in experience the life of God together than we would alone. alone. You know, then at the other end, uh, is through the work of Christ, you see people who are following Jesus in the book of Acts, who immediately then engage in a community. And the Bible, you know, talks about not just being made dead to alive through the work of Christ spiritually, but being outsiders and now being brought in. That there's a spiritual identity that kind of is the consequence of the work of Christ 
reclaiming that original intent that God had when he first created people. And, and I feel like bookending God's original design for people and the work that Jesus wants to do in us and how he changes our identity to incorporate us into community is just so fundamental to what drives, you know, this department and these, these, uh, these kinds of ministry initiatives from guys like you as our location pastors. Be, beyond that, Rick, w- w- what would you say to kind of the garden variety member of our church? Why at a personal level? I understand as a church, uh, from a church perspective and from a theological perspective, why we believe it's important. But at a personal level, why should individuals value community? Why should it matter to them? Um, I think primarily because when you rally together as a community, you you uh, have the potential for greater impact in the place where God puts you. And so when people uh, rally together and, and form some, uh, some unity around some vision for what it is that God wants to do in the place where God puts you, you, you can have tremendous impact. Um, uh, it, it's beautiful to see people come together and um, not only have a picture of what it is that they could do together, but actually to see the results of that impacting lives, uh, building God's kingdom, uh, whether that be in the, the town that God has them in and their workplaces and their families and their schools. Um, and so I think as, as church members, we, we, we need to recognize that we can always do more together. Yeah, that I'm actually better in my life with God together. Mm-hmm. I can become more like Jesus together than I can alone. And your second point, I can do more. I can achieve more. I can be about more and make a greater difference than I would on my own. And it, you know, I guess my point in capturing all of your, your ideas and your heart behind this, it's not just for human loneliness, right? It's not just the satisfaction of, of uh, our desire to not be lonely, although that's a factor. I'm developed spiritually and I impact the world better together with other people. Absolutely. And, and we, we can make a greater difference in this world together. Yeah, I think that the 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 corrective for me that I hope people are capturing here is that you know one thing that community isn't because I know we throw this word around a lot. Community is not the promise and guarantee of best friendships. You know that that uh, kind of Flintstones, you know, uh, uh, Fred and uh, Wilma and Betty and Barney, uh, close friends, bosom buddies, and lifelong pals. Like I think some people assume that the church is going to provide me this, and when it doesn't, they've disappointed. That that's not actually what community is. Community is other people with whom. I am being spiritually developed better together than on my own and other people with whom I'm partnering for the gospel and can have greater and better impact than I could alone. That's community as opposed to this promise of the deliverable of the church providing everyone with best friends. That's not necessarily uh, in the expectations. And I would just want to clarify that for people. Are you tracking with that? Yeah. And it's it's it makes me think that sometimes we get this notion that it's it's what I then can get out of it or what my family might receive from participating in the life of the church, but it's rather more about what we can together accomplish beyond just myself, my family. It's, it's, a, big, it's a bigger picture. Absolutely. It has less to do, community has less to do with what I get exactly. and more to do with what God gets because he gets more of Jesus in me and he gets more of kingdom impact through me better together. Absolutely. 
another kind of phrase that I want to capture here, uh, aside from the, the, the term community, which is the better together value, uh, you touched on already is this idea of belonging, feeling and, and legitimately being part of something bigger than yourself. I know that this is a huge component of your heart for people, and especially your heart in Vineland. Um, why does belonging matter so much to you? Um, I would say that belonging is critical because it actually uh, enables the person to become the owner of what it is that they're a part of. And they feel like they have something to bring to the table. They have then a desire to engage in the life of the church. They, it's, it's like um, it's the, the engine then that drives them into the activity that God is inviting them into. And when you have a sense of belonging, you then no longer just you're not a spectator, you're a participant. And that's beautiful to see when that matures in people. Um, I feel like the church has a pulse and it's alive and we can do things that that move uh, what, what it is that God wants us to do forward. Um, so that sense of belonging is critical because if people don't feel like they belong, they are probably reluctant to fully engage and participate. Hmm, that it's actually a precursor to experiencing the fullness of what community can I deliver. I think so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, outside of telling people, hey, just so you know, you belong, <laughs> and outside of rallying people just to engage where they over time feel that they belong, are there things that you've been able to do or even initiatives you're experimenting with right now that can help cultivate a greater sense of belonging? Uh, I think one very, very small thing is actually just knowing people by name. When you address somebody by name, there is already in, instinctively this sense that, hey, I'm, I'm noticed, I'm special, I'm cared for, there's an interest in who I am. And so I, I think it's a very small step, but if I think about our first impressions teams and how we are trying to groom them to be those kinds of people on the front line who welcome people and greet people and get to know them by name and by their families, I think that's a critical step. Uh, we, I mean, we do things like Discover Southridge. It's a, it's a vehicle for them to... to uh, understand better what's really going on in the life of the of our church. I think that's a, a small way in which we can uh, have greater contact with people that are relatively new and help them feel like they could potentially belong and take a next step. Um, and then we have, you know, we have life groups. Uh, we, we create um, events or start the parties and things like that that help to initiate uh, a greater sense of belonging around the life of the church. Mm -hmm. I'm um, even thinking about this for this year, specifically to your location in Vineland. You're firing up a, a somewhat tried and true uh, initiative to cultivate a greater degree of belonging, and that is what we call this catalyst team. Help our members understand what a catalyst team is and what, what you're experimenting with this year in Vineland. Yeah, the catalyst team is something that we would have launched when we actually started our location back in 2012. And it was a way to sort of help 
a small group of people, 20 to 40 people, let's say, uh, begin to appreciate uh, the vision for what our ch- the vision for our church and the way that we're structured, helping them to really become the DNA carriers or the ambassadors of who we are as a church. And uh, we just got to a place even last summer where we were thinking, you know, it's it's it feels like it's time to do that again. And it's a beautiful way to kind of strengthen the nucleus or the core of your church. And so we're we're taking another group of individuals and couples and 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 just uh, helping them to to uh, appreciate uh, the journey that God has us on as a church, uh, and enable them to be the equippers. Uh, to have a greater sense of belonging and to engage maybe in in fresh ways or in, in, in expanded ways what it means to be a part of this uh, church community. So we're really excited about that. We're going to do that uh, in early March uh, of 2019. Um, and I think it, it will bear a lot of wonderful fruit for our location. Yeah, super cool to see how this experiment works, knowing, like you said, that th- this was a... This was a way to rally the core in each of our location launches. We did this. We had a catalyst team when we launched our Wellland location, when we had launched the North End location that we had for a time, when we launched Vineland. We even did it in St. Catharines. I remember that. Uh, as a result of launching these other locations where we wanted to build a greater sense of ownership and, and belonging in that sense in the core. And uh, we haven't done them since uh, we launched those locations. So it'll be neat to see at this point through this experiment in Vineland, the benefit of doing an initiative like that. And maybe there'll be more of those in uh, in the months and years to come across our locations to, to, to try to foster a greater sense of belonging uh, in people. Along those lines, Rick, you mentioned uh, this idea of life groups. Uh, if you've been around Southridge at all, you know that this is a significant play for us. One of our three, what we call primary programs. Uh, can you give us just the baseline intro to what a life group is and why it matters so much? Yeah, in a lot of ways, a life group is is kind of like a s- small church. It's a it's a group of individuals, can be anywhere from 8 to 12 individuals who, who um, commit to being together on a, on a re- relatively frequent basis. You know, every other week is generally how it works, um, where they just uh, spend some time getting in, into conversations that really, really matter. Uh, there's a different depth of conversation. It's a different type of conversation. Uh, and, the, and the beauty is, is I think when a life group actually begins to grow uh, relationally and spiritually, it really becomes a small, uh, or a small group of individuals who actually just do life together. Uh, and, it, and it's beautiful that way. And, uh, and certainly it's a, it's a place that uh, enables a bit of accountability uh, it fosters a sense of belonging. It also becomes a group that provides some care within the structure of the group. Uh, from a pastoral perspective, I think that's really, really critical because now there are those who lead groups who, who are taking on some pastoral ownership and uh, shepherding and being the kind of a spiritual leader within the context of their group that can be really, really helpful, especially when people find themselves in in, in difficult places. So these things really, really matter. And a group becomes a vehicle 
where people, I think, uh, we, we often use the expression that life change happens best in relationship. Uh, and I think when a group is thriving, uh, that those that that can really really happen. Yeah, I think the the goal for a life group is to provide a vehicle for people to start experiencing all of the facets of better together. Mm-hmm. That that's what a group delivers. I think when when it's working properly, yeah. and I hope would be the the group experience of our of our people. I mean, you're talking about spiritual growth. Being better together. And, you know, that's one of the features of, of a life group. Although groups from a, like a curriculum or a conversational standpoint, there are all kinds of different groups that deal with all kinds of topics, correct? We, we have groups that uh, deal with the Sunday morning messages. We have groups that are using curriculum that you would find on Right Now Media. We have groups that are working through books. Um yeah, we have raw Bible study groups. Oh, in there, some there's cases. really yeah. a, just a, a litany of different opportunities that way. Um, we have groups that are very diverse in nature, from having younger people with older folks in the group, and we have groups that are specific to men, specific specific to young moms. Uh, so there's been a really um, diverse number of options, which is kind of cool to see. Yeah. Um, depending on season of life and, and things that are going on in people's lives, uh, they, they, they will find, I think if you're hungry enough, you can find a group that kind of works for you. Yeah. The other, the other thing that you mentioned there is how important groups are in our system across our church at our scale and, and even complexity across multiple locations around Niagara, our system of pastoral care that, that a good degree of personal care and even pastoral uh, spiritual care gets provided through this, what we call a mutual member ministry uh, that's facilitated through groups. Can you talk about that a little bit more just to anchor us in that expectation again? Well, I think um, ideally when, uh, when you are in a group and you're in a position or you're in circumstances that are difficult, it's important to know that somebody is out, is looking out for you and providing some support, encouragement, uh, some guidance. And the way that our groups are structured, um, the, the life group leader is actually an important vehicle to help minister or provide that kind of support and encouragement. Uh, rather than all lines heading back to the location pastor, you've actually distributed... Uh, the care, and you've multiplied ministry through a, a number of different leaders. And I think it's just a more effective and efficient way of ensuring that your people are cared for. You don't want people to fall through the cracks, and uh, groups aren't perfect, but but certainly the life group experience provides a structure in which people can be cared for. Yeah, and we've modeled this just for review around visions like in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 18, where God institutes through Moses, actually through Moses's father-in-law, mm-hmm. um, the, the idea of instead of Moses providing all the care and serving all of the people of Israel, he says, you know, you can't shoulder the load and the people are going home unsatisfied, meaning through you exclusively, their needs aren't 
really fully being met, to creating this care system of organizing the people of God into a structure of groups of thousands, fifties, hundreds, and tens. You can read the text if you're curious. And and he says, if you, if you implement this care structure, you'll be able to carry the load, focusing on the most difficult cases that you'll focus on. But as that care gets distributed, the people will go home satisfied because then everyone can get cared for. Mm-hmm. And so it actually, like you said, it distributes the load from that perspective. It also, in the New Testament way, it allows people to live out that value of the one another's. Right? The, the, the goal of the church is never for the leader or the pastor to be the provider of ministry. Right? The Ephesians 4 vision is that the work of the church, the work of God, is done actually by the people of God. That all of us in whom the risen life of Christ by his spirit resides have the capacity to be Jesus to each other. And as leaders, it's our job to equip that and enable that to happen. And I think life groups is one of those kind of very important mechanisms or structures whereby we can actually be Jesus to each other. Mm-hmm. Third value in my mind when it comes to, to personal care, pastoral care, is that in most of life's challenges, to receive attention and support from God through people happens best through people who know me. Mm-hmm. Where there's already relationship. Where there's already relationship, exactly. where I'm already tracking, I'm already familiar. And I know, you know, as a as a positional pastor, you know, you sometimes get called into emergency kind of situations where there there's an inherent awkwardness because you haven't journeyed with the person or because there's no relationship where it, it's not even as if as leaders we're passing the buck to other people to kind of do our dirty work. We believe that through a, a vehicle like Life Groups, many of our people can provide superior care because they have the benefit of ongoing relationship, even though they might not feel like they have as much sort of theological expertise or it doesn't really require that stuff. It requires a heart that loves people and is into their lives. Yeah. And, and what's beautiful is when you know that there's an element of trust and safety and acceptance. And so they can kind of carry one another bur- one another's burdens in those kind of situations because they have history. They've been together. It's it's it it really becomes the building block to providing the kind of care within the group for each other. Yeah. So I hope that our our uh, listeners today and all of us who are our members around Southridge would just appreciate that this this vehicle we call life groups, not just from a better together growing spiritually perspective, but a better together supporting and caring for each other and and the challenges in our lives. We feel like life groups is actually the option A for how care happens. That as pastors, we only come in kind of remedially as a support when either things are too burdensome or, or that's not available for someone, but in a lot of ways see ourselves as option B, not as option A. That our option A is the mutual member ministry that uh, something like life groups and the reciprocal care that it facilitates can provide. Uh, practically speaking, Rick, if, if, if I'm listening and I'm not in a life group... Uh, or I've been on Mars and never heard about life groups. Um, what can I join? Uh, what can I do to join one? How does someone join a life group? So we we formally uh, have these two events a year, one in September, one in January, called Lifeline events. And these Lifeline events are really uh, a pretty informal on ramp 
to getting involved with groups. It's a chance to understand why we do groups, why they matter, uh, to, to provide some context for how groups actually get delivered from week to week and so on. We have some people that sometimes share uh, their experience with life groups. And then we, we try to uh, begin to consider what it would look like for you to actually get in a group. What are some options that we might have available to you at this time that are existing groups? Potentially, there might be a new group that's starting in, uh, in January or even in September. A lot of new groups do begin in September, but sometimes in January as well. And so the Lifeline event is certainly uh, a primary uh, option for getting plugged in a group. Uh, certainly in my own experience, I've also just found that having a conversation with somebody like me, your location pastor, uh, to say, hey, like, help me to appreciate what groups are about and help me to understand how it is that I could get in a group is also just an option. Like, uh, I've had numerous people come into my space and say, hey, like, I'm thinking about this, but I need a little more clarity and I need a push or I need some uh, more information. And so that also is really something I really encourage people to leverage. Yeah, which is important to understand because when we offer this this assimilation program called Lifeline or this event called Lifeline, that doesn't mean that you are restricted to two opportunities a year to join a group. You can you can plug into one anytime by just talking to someone like you. Uh, absolutely. And uh, and certainly I've found that sometimes uh, just even uh, tapping someone on the shoulder myself and saying, hey, like, you've been here for a while. Would you would you like to learn a little more about groups or even consider getting groups? Uh, it works. Um, yeah. And yeah, either you need to encourage yourself or maybe somebody else needs to encourage you. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I want you to talk about specifically this week, because starting tonight, I believe, uh, we are going to be experimenting a little bit with a different form of lifeline, right? In, in, in what you guys as location pastors have envisioned this week, talk about this experiment. It's a new try. We don't know whether it'll work or not, but we think that there might be some, some, uh, some magic in it. So describe for all of us as members, again, if we're not in a group, what, what you guys are trying at your locations this week. Yeah, from time to time, you want to try something new or you want to hit the reset button. And we felt like it was time with our Lifeline event to consider another option. And so uh, this week, what we're doing is we're actually hosting uh, these dinner events uh, at the church uh, on, on every night of the week, pretty much. Uh, drawing all the Monday night life groups to come out on Monday night and the Tuesday night life groups to join us on Tuesday as a way to, cre to create these mid-sized groups, as a way to uh, just kind of inspire everyone who's currently in a group to, to keep going and to commit and to participate in the, in the life group fully. And primarily these events are, are being hosted so that for those of you that might be thinking, you know what, I should really try this. This could be a really great opportunity to just come out at a night that's convenient for you. And just to engage, meet some people, uh, begin to explore what groups are really about, and potentially uh, be presented with some options 
in terms of moving forward and getting in a group. So yeah, instead of someone showing up and talking about groups that are available, you can show up at the church at your location's building on the night of the week that's the most convenient for you and see all the groups that exist on that night of the week because they're already gathered together for this dinner and are already going to be meeting and doing what they do as group just in this particular week, doing it in a space uh, in our church building somewhere, uh, you know, both together and then independently as groups. And you get to kind of witness that, experience that, and maybe even join in real time. Right. It's beautiful. Uh, it's just a great way to experience life groups firsthand. And um, so, yeah, if you're listening and you're thinking uh, it's maybe time to to take that step, uh, I really encourage you to just check it out. I think it's going to be great. I love it. I uh, and the I food mean, will be good too. Yeah, our group. Uh, we're we're a Monday night group, so we're up tonight. I'll see uh, I'll see Chris Fowler in St. Catharines tonight, and we'll kind of see how it goes. We're looking yeah. forward to it. Um, now, along those lines, Rick, we're in the middle of a series now that you guys as location pastors for this value of connection, you, you kind of drive and champion every year. We have this kind of connection series around the month of January. And this particular month, you guys have a, a focus. Can you talk about what you're hoping to kind of achieve in the focus of this uh, Sunday morning series that we're talking about connection? Yeah, I think really... Uh... At the root of connection is this uh, longing for friendship. And we've been talking a lot about friendship uh, and what it looks like to experience friendship in a way that engages uh, people for transformation, I think. I, I, I believe that what, what, what all of us... Um, need to do at some point in our lives is is to consider who our friends are and how our friends even uh, bring about the best of us or even encourage us in the way that we grow relationally and spiritually. And so we, we've been, we've been thinking about what it would look like to take friendship kind of to a new level, uh, knowing that. For everyone, this matters. Uh, friendship, when you when you talk about a sense of belonging, when you talk about community, at the core of friendship, the kinds of friends we have are integral integral to those to those things. And so, uh, this series has really been designed in such a way to help us uh, appreciate the value of friendship. Yeah, and that friendship doesn't happen by accident. You don't drift into quality friendship the way God would intend friends to foster community and belonging in your life. So we're starting to now learn about some of these kind of values, perspectives, commitments, initiations, uh, you know, in order to be better friends and experience better friendship in our lives. Is that basically yeah, summarizing things? I feel like that's helping people to have a greater awareness of why these things really, really matter. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things that we talked about just recently is is the, the importance of taking on this responsibility of friendship, even yourself, that it's not, it's not just kind of waiting in the wings for friendship to happen. It's actually being an initiator of the friends that we want to um, engage with. And, and certainly one of the, one of the phrases that, you know, you 
probably heard already is this, if you need a friend, you need to be a friend. And so challenging people to, to take those kinds of steps that would activate potentially new friendships is, is a, a value in the series. Yeah, now I know we're not finished the series quite yet. Still got ground to gain, but uh, a little bit preemptively, what, what would you, for those of us, especially our core that, that uh, are tracking with the, with the podcast as members, what, what would you want us most to know and to do as a result of this series on friendship? Bottom line. Bottom line, I think uh, what's really, really critical is actually taking uh, a step to widening your circle and uh, recognizing that when we um, create uh, experiences of a diversity with people that are even different than ourselves, we have the potential uh, to become more and more like Jesus. I think uh, that would be one of the sort of the pillars of the series is to just really encourage people uh, to expand their horizons when it comes to their friendships because it it has the potential to actually transform all of us um and and that's that that's something i think that uh, we would hope would be one of the outcomes of a series like this that that our widening the circle would have a transformative impact in our own lives and in, even in in the life of our church you know, so that that others would be drawn in because they're they're actually seeing firsthand the difference friendship can make. Yeah, we I mean we say a lot. Friendship makes the difference, and uh, we're we're referring to that in, in the transformational sense. One of the comments that you guys have made that that's really captured my my heart about this series is sort of this: look at your friends, and you'll look at your life. Kind of who your friends are is yeah. who you're going to become. Yeah, I think. Uh, that's, that's been very powerful. Show to me. me your friends and I'll show you your future kind of thing. Right. Is, is show me. That's it. Show that, me your friends and I'll show you your future. That's that's compelling. It's powerful. Um, Rick, as we wind things up today, uh, for those of us specifically as members of Southridge across all of our locations, not just under your care uh, in Vineland, um, what's you know any parting thoughts or encouragements as far as what you would want to say when it comes to all of us experiencing community and belonging and even friendship to a greater degree? Uh, I'm I'm kind of drawn to my own experience with my men's group. Uh, every other Wednesday night, I meet with a, a dozen guys, and I think what I so appreciate uh, about the the guys that I hang out with uh, every other Wednesday night is that uh, the experiences that we have around some conversation, around some Bible teaching, around some videos that we watch. Um, those experiences really ultimately are helping to shape who we are becoming. And ultimately, I feel like they're actually helping us to be uh, better dads and better fathers, um, better co-workers, better Christ followers. And my heart would be that we would always be looking for steps uh, in in the context of the community where God has put us, that we would be looking for those kinds of steps that would help us do life better together 
in the places where God puts us. And, and um, you know, if that, if that means uh, taking a step for greater engagement, then take the step because I think ultimately God wants to be at work in our lives and can, can make a really big difference in our lives if we would take that step. And I'm just really thankful that I get to do life with people in the context of groups, in the context of our location and Sunday mornings, in the context of our migrant worker program. I feel like all of those things actually uh, begin to shape and change the, the person God wants me to be. And so I would want that for anyone and everyone. Yeah, I hope you hear Pastor Rick's heart here that, you know, if community and belonging and all these spiritual dynamics at the end of the day make us better together, better together in every facet, what does it look like for each of us and, and to personalize it? What does it look like for me and for you to pursue a greater degree of togetherness so that I can experience more of that better. That's that's really fantastic. Uh, Tricky, thanks for being with us here today. Uh, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, gang, if you want to engage with Rick, uh, you can find his email uh, online and uh, engage this conversation further. If you're from Vineland, uh, certainly cheer him on and uh, rally around some of the things that he's inspired us uh, to today. If you're not from Vineland, uh, make sure if you get the opportunity to to shake his hand and get to know him. This is a top shelf guy who's been just a huge gift to our church. So uh, Rick, thanks for being here today and for all the ways in which you've poured the very best of your life into what God's doing among us as a community. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks, Jeff. It's been great being here. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week uh, on our member podcast, Finding Our Way. Take care. <laughs>